1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Royale. What do you know about a man called Scaramanga? The man with the golden gun. He always uses a golden bullet. This trinket is sent with a note requesting special delivery to you. <laughs> I have never seen Mr. Scaramanga. Mr. Boy, this is impossible. I can't... It's non-stop bomb. The action is spectacular. You're not... I sure am, boy. Reaching a new high for 007. <laughs>
1: hello and welcome to Smash pod royale a podcast celebrating all the bond films by those who enjoy hate or you know just aren't asked about them hosted by me john rain this week we'll be stocking up on knickknacks while supping foo yuck as we travel to the Far East with a bullet, to find out just who is making an extra tit out of themselves for a million dollars a hit. And joining me in virtual isolation to speak now or forever hold his peace, it's only uh, bloody Mark Gates. Hello, hello. Hello. Who can be found, frankly, everywhere.
0: Well, at the moment, I'm locked here, oh, yeah. like everybody else. But virtually. In a, in a golden basement of my <laughs> own choosing.
1: How are you finding isolation?
0: Uh um all right, all right Um I'm sure I mean thank God I'm not um you know, struggling to work on a packed tube like some people or uh or working in a hospital. You know, it's it's um it's it's partly okay. It's actually it's weird this because half of my life as a writer is very like this. It's very mm. solitary. Mm. <laughs> Uh, the other half of my life as an actor is extremely social, so it's half of it is is quite familiar and and okay really. I mean, the, the piece is unexpected and rather lovely, um, but the obviously the the absence of friends and family is really strange. And now yeah. after about seven seven weeks, think it's eight weeks, because we sort of voluntarily locked down about a week before. Yeah boris johnson said so so it's been about two months for us um it's it's just strange isn't it i mean it's just strange and i don't think this is the big one 007 i don't think (laughs) anything will ever be quite the same again and i don't mean to hyperbolize but i think the the social and economic impact is going to be with us for the rest of our lives because it's the ripples from this are just titanic. It's yeah. just, the world has stopped. I mean, that's a plot, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is. And also, it's, like, it's rather like Operation Bedlam, I thought.
1: It certainly is, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> isn't it? Some angels of death were dispatched onto the tube network. Yeah. But and you're very much like um, Scaramanga, who is, of course, isolated from the world on his island.
0: Indeed. And one of the joys of doing this film, I've got many reasons for choosing it, but I uh, the, the last place I visited before the end of the world was indeed James Bond Island. Mm. So uh I'm very recently acquainted with all things Scaramangesque.
1: <laughs> and how was James Bond Island?
0: It's amazing. I mean, we went on holiday to Thailand in the in the olden days uh-huh. when you could do such things. <laughs> and uh for some reason I thought that I had some sort of strange idea that Fouquet that, uh, and the island wasn't far from us, but it was. <laughs> so we had to make a special uh, trip on a, on a boat, uh, which was great fun, I have to say. And it was the last stop. And our amazing um, ladyboy host, uh, who was called Sugar, believably, uh, <laughs> was hysterical and beautiful and brilliant. Uh, but they'd chosen to visit James Bond Island last because it would be less crowded. It was sort of the last chance before the end of the day. And it was really good because it wasn't teeming with people. And I was very surprised. I thought it would be sort of totally tourist, touristified. touristified. Mm. Mm. And um, it was remarkably pristine, actually, very clean. It's tiny, as you know, from the film. But um, yes. it's pretty much as it was, I don't know if you've ever been. But I, I loved it. We managed to get the pictures and requisite things and... And I, I, I made a video of my partner. <laughs> I said to Nicknack, Tabasco. <laughs> and he said, yes, Monsieur Scaramanga. <laughs> and I sent that to my friend who couldn't quite believe what he was
1: saying. <laughs> oh, because the thing is about Scaramanga is that right, right from the off, you know he's British because we're on this sun-kissed island in the middle of the um, ocean there. And he's, he's drinking Guinness.
0: Black Velvet. Yes. Uh, I know it's an extraordinary thing. I mean, what, when you really know that he's British, even though he's not supposed to be, mm. is because of because being nineteen seventy four, Christopher Lee has to wear sort of strange blue shorts. Yes, and um, and I know you had to have his rather pale body tanned up to make him look like an international uh, supervillain. villain. Um, but it's uh, it's a curious thing. Um, th- this film. Um, so I'll, I'll start at the beginning. I, uh, my Bond astrology is um, Connery with Moore Rising. Because <laughs> the first one I saw was Dan Mazar forever. Right. Which was immediately followed by the, the re-release double bill of From Russia With Love and Thunderball. I think that's right. Yeah. So I was steeped in Connery at a very early age. And then Live and Let Die happened. And... And, and Man of the Golden Gun is the it's the one I can remember anticipating, which which always makes it special. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, Mark O'Connell talks about in his wonderful book, hmm. Catching Bullets. That his favourite is usually a kill because it's the one he anticipated. So um, I can remember this film. I can remember this film coming out so well, um, principally because uh, there was a boy in my school called Jamie Wood, and we were talking about going to see the man with golden gun and practicing kung fu in the toilets at our primary school and i kicked him in the eye um in, with my cack-handed or cack-footed kung fu so uh it's it's that's one of my earliest memories of james bond, james bond is sending this boy to the infirmary <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yes it's uh I, i've always been very fond of it it's i think it's a, it's an interesting because you know. it it, was a, it wasn't a big success. It is cheaper looking. Yeah. And it, it's the one that, you know, Saltzman left. It's the one that galvanized Cubby Broccoli into making Spy Love Me and totally rejuvenating the entire franchise and everything. Yes. But I think it's really got something very special. And because it's, it's rather overlooked, because it's the sort of quickie follow-up to Live and Let Die, and it wasn't a huge financial success, it's a bit overlooked in my opinion.
1: It also doesn't feel like it's particularly tool to Roger either, because there's a few very un-Rogery bits of female abuse.
0: Yes, which which obviously um, sit very ill these days. But also, and at the time, I know he wasn't comfortable, was he? You know, no. I know there's been a lot of talk about Maud Adams didn't like that thing where he, you know he threatens to break her arm and yeah. stuff like that. It's 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 very Connery and it's not very Moore. No, very more. It feels like and, they didn't really uh, know who
1: they had yet.
0: But but I mean that's that's one of the things I absolutely love about this period. It's so um, I, I feel like this about Hammer movies. Hammer movies get very interesting when they get slightly desperate.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Around the same time, I in the early seventies, they, they don't know what to do anymore. So, it, what fascinates me about this period with James Bond is that, having been the brand leader, they are suddenly playing catch up. You know, they do a black exploitation film. And then they do a kung fu film because they don't know where they are anymore. Yeah. Similarly, with the redefinition of Bond, I mean, it's an extraordinary thing to think. I was just too young uh, to experience this, but there were three Bonds in three films. I mean, if you were a cinema girl, that's a that's an extraordinary yes place to be, isn't it? Yes, I've never thought
1: about that, but yeah,
0: yeah, and and so uh, this whole the whole thing in Live and Let Die of um, you know, uh, Rog uh, orders bourbon and smokes those ridiculous cigars and stuff in order not to be Sean Connery. Yes. Um, And it's because they're just insecure about the whole thing. Understandably, they didn't know how it was going to go, but obviously by the time we get to Spy Love Me, everything uh, locks into place and the whole flavor of that period is, is totally set by that. But this is an intriguing film because it's the one just before where they're they're still sort of finding their feet a bit
1: well it took them three films with sean as well to really click into place i think
0: do you know i do well i mean uh, I well i mean goldfinger good. yes hmm. goldfinger is the one where they're firing on all cylinders but i think yeah. he's 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 fully formed really from the oh yeah
1: he know. is i just mean the films themselves yeah they don't really oh
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah uh but the, scaramanga's got a fun house have you got a fun house <laughs>
0: Yes, that's, that's where I'm speaking from. Here, yeah. <laughs> I've also I've got a series of um, mannequins which which blink and can't quite stay still.
1: Are they have all your enemies?
0: <laughs> like, like yes, but they have all Roger Moore dressed up as cowboys. It's a strange, <laughs> strange situation. Really,
1: yeah. it does make you wonder. He spent a lot of money on that funhouse.
0: Uh, I love. I I think I think the funhouse sequence at the beginning is one of the most interesting bits of the film. I think it's really. It's in that way, um, not quite the same, but in the way that Live and Let Die has that strange uh, relationship with the supernatural. Is it true? Is it not true? Um, a, a lot of *Man the Golden Good is quite sort of straightforward, but there's something r- properly kind of odd and, and a bit sort of hmm. Hitchcocky about the Funhouse sequence. I think it's really good. The only thing that lets it down, I think, is it's cheap. Hmm. I mean, um, you, you know... Uh, you can see, it's just some, I mean, it's not just, but you can see the, like, black drapes and the the, the mirrors are a bit chipped and it, it's a bit sort of pony, isn't
1: it? I was going to say, it feels like you're driving down a B road and there's a sign for, like, an a amusement arcade park fair thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you can sort
0: of imagine the whole, con that concept done uh, three years later would have been epic. Mm. And it's, it's a nice thing. But, but I don't know, I, I don't want to be too down on it because I think there's something... Um, there's something particular about the feel of the film which sort of suits that. In a good way, uh, it's like that thing they periodically try and do. They did it with Fear Eyes Only as well, where they try and sort of get back to basics. It does feel like a mission film. Mm -hmm. It feels like Bond doesn't go to the most spectacular places except the Scaramangas Lair. Um, It has an extraordinary um, unity to it because it's... You know, even the Beirut bit feels like it's sort of in, in the, the same milieu, but it's mostly Southeast Asia. It has an amazing kind of uh, fawn quality. I'm going to say beige. It's sort of beige quality to it. <laughs> um, everything from the rusting Queen Elizabeth to the colour of the water in the speedboat thing is sort of mucky. It yeah. feels hot and humid and sort of slightly uncomfortable. And I, I think that's an interesting thing, given that how much concentration there was on ultra glamour. It does feel like Bond has been sent somewhere, you know, sweaty and uncomfortable to to kill someone. And that's even though you know, it's not it's not a, it's not that hard edge, but it has a more interesting edge to it than I think people give it credit for.
1: Also, it's one of the ones where Ken Adam isn't on it, so you kind of that, yeah, you, yeah, you notice that, and you, you don't you don't consciously notice it, but I think subconsciously you do.
0: I think you do. I mean, I think it's like, um, you know, there are some very talented designers. Sid Kane did um, Other Majesties, and and mm. is a beautiful job. But it's not Ken Adam. There's mm. there's something obviously there's something very different about him and his vision, which is more operatic, isn't it?
1: Mm. But what we what we establish here is that Scaramanga keeps himself in shape by shooting middle aged men.
0: Yes, dressed as hoodlums. <laughs> There's a, there's a strange, um, you know, I, I mean, as you know, I, I love James Bond more than almost anything, but there are certain times when you, you think it's it's very, very on the nose. And also there are some things that just, just because they're your favourite thing, your favourite movies, that you wouldn't allow to pass muster in other movies and no. you just let them get away with. And that's one of them. Um like a hoodlum in a but, pinstripe uh, suit
1: turning up in a boat with a violin case.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and a white tie and a black shirt, you know, like yeah, like, I think Al Capone. Um, and it's
1: another Bond denial yeah, so, thing because that actor was in Diamonds Are Forever as another hoodlum. So unless he's the same hoodlum.
0: Well, they all look the same, don't they? Yeah, but then yeah. there's a lot. Of, it's really interesting, and I, I watched it to uh, to bring myself up to speed, and I was very struck by. Um, how uh, th- there are lots of dates dropped in, you know, hmm. Scaramanga went went freelance in the fifties, and 002 was killed in Beirut in, in nineteen sixty nine, and and I, I always slightly shiver when those things happen in Bond because it because you know that continuity wise it's going to it's going to hit this this brick wall soon, and <laughs> <laughs> um, you suddenly want to stop talking about these things because it means that Bond is aging, and also the whole thing is is very specifically the real time, isn't it? Yes. And of course, all that's all that's gone now that Judy Dench has given Bond his first and his last assignment and stuff like that. So there you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you what do you think about the song? Oh, it's it's a it's a curio. Uh, it's Barry, obviously. Mm-hmm. But there's, um, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Is this is an interesting thing? It's ten years on from Goldfinger. Yeah. 64 to 74, it's gold and gold, and the two ends of of the bond spectrum are very different. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas Goldfinger is this incredibly powerful, confident, brassy, epoch defining song. Yeah, The Man with the Golden Gun is like has sort of carry on lyrics. Yes, uh, who will he bang? We shall see. Mm -hmm. He has a powerful weapon and stuff like that. There's something rough uh, and Dare I say, sort of Lulu suiting about it? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a rough song. However, I think it's very catchy, and you know, when it, when it's used on a sort of um, honky tonk piano, it, it's very catchy. And I think the middle bit, his eye may be on you and me, is rather beautiful. Yeah, and when it comes so back it's in. a strange, uh, it's a strange mixture of responses for me. <laughs>
1: Also, it's another case of a bit of a meta because it's a bit of an octopusy where Bond gets off the boat and the, um, the Snake Charmer plays his theme. Uh, oh yeah,
0: yes. Well, yeah.
1: Scaramanga's piano plays this song.
0: Yeah, it's um, th- this happens periodically in things. It's, <laughs> it's sort of like it's like naming the title of the film and things like that. Um, yeah. Or there's an extraordinary bit in Dallas, where Miss Ellie plays the theme to Dallas on the piano. That's just so strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's never explained. Um, yes, but it's full of little things like that, isn't it? it has to oh, but
1: be. was it during the dream period, though? This might have been Bobby Ewing's dream. Roger Moore's dream period, I don't yes. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, the plot the plot kicks in here that Bond's been sent a bullet, a golden bullet in the post with his 007 name on it.
0: Yes, and then he, he does it, one of his <laughs> periodic things. I always find this interesting about Bond is that... Um, what at, at its best, what you want is Bond to surprise s- surprise M with his erudition. You know, uh-huh. he he knows he knows the difference between vintages of wine, and uh, there's a lovely bit in Spy Love Me when he he sort of gets one up over uh, Agent X and they have a you know that sort of thing. But when it doesn't work, is when he's just sort of rather boringly expositional about. It. Yeah, it's yeah. like a Wikipedia and, uh, page. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He does it in Scaramanga's lair when he's teaching Scaramanga about the science. It's just just unbelievably boring. Yeah. <laughs> and then in M's office, of course, he says, um, "Oh, oh, the man with the golden gun." And he does uh, he does the spiel there, but it's it's um, yeah, it's a nice idea. I think. I mean, this is the the I remember reading the book when I was a kid, and uh, it's it's not. Well regarded because it was Fleming died, I think before he'd done another pass on it. It's, it's it's not a great book, but the things I can remember from the novel are extraordinary things. That um, in his dossier, he doesn't have a superfluous uh, papilla, uh, <laughs> but in his dossier, Scaramanga can't whistle, and and it says his MI five thing says this is popularly thought to be um, a condition of being homosexual. I never forgot that I don't know why <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and then the actual there's a sort of sweaty duel in the jungles of Jamaica at the end that's that's what I really remember. And of course, at the beginning, Bond who who has been brainwashed tries to assassinate M because uh, it's after uh, after a year live twice. But yes, yes but the the, the, the idea of, of Scaramanga being Bond's sort of dark side and wanting to take him on in a in a duel is is really good. I, I think it's sort of I think it's um it's it's a it would it would suit a a better film, if you know what I mean. I think yeah. it's one of the reasons it's one of the reasons that License to Kill is so strong because it's a sim the simple plot is revenge. Yes. And uh it's also I think uh really the, the Skyfall also works for that reason because, you know, this is a this is a little cul de sac we can go on, but my personal feeling on the plotting of bond is that the main plot should be really gettable mm. you know i'm i I'm a madman who thinks we should live under the sea and incidentally I've got webbed fingers <laughs> right <laughs> um, everything else is just fun everything else is gravy everything else is but you can get it when bond goes awry I think is when you scratch your head about the plot
1: like octopus who, or... what
0: well, or uh, Quantum of Solace, or mm. um, or World is Not Enough. What, what, mm. what on earth is the plot? What is the plot? Yeah. And um, in a way, uh, the Solix agitates it in Golden Gun, which of course is is a total MacGuffin, yeah. Literally. So, but it's it doesn't really need it. It's it's um, you know you, you could you boil it down to that thing. We need Death more bad
1: we need more baddies yeah. hiding in places saying that they want to stay there. Like Drax was in space. Yeah. You had um, Spy Love Me Baddie's his name's against me, under the water. R- Stromberg. Stromberg, thank you. I had a mental blank. We need someone like um, in a map. I've had a mountain, of course. You could have someone in just a house.
0: <laughs> well, who knows? The bond after lockdown might be very cheap. <laughs> <laughs> It'd
1: be like number 42.
0: Mortgages, Mr. Bond, all my life I've loved mortgages. <laughs> Can't face those Twitter notifications. Forgot to watch
1: anything but Netflix. Dreading the video conference small talk at nine. You need a new vitamin, you know. You need the smart seven it's a brand new daily podcast that puts your brain into gear everything you need to know in less than seven minutes you need the smarts hey we got the smarts the smart seven every weekday at 7am available right now on
0: spotify and all the usual places
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I love this bit, by the way. Um, the thing I love most about Bernard Lee as M is that on the one hand, he clearly despises Bond and everything he stands for. But on the other hand, he absolutely adores him. And this is a perfect example of that relationship because he basically says, Go, um, we don't know who Scaramanga is. He wants to kill you, so it's probably best if you disappear for a while. Take a sabbatical, uh, he says. Nobody knows where he is or what he looks like, so I think it's fair to assume that he has the edge on you, wouldn't you agree? And then Bond li- walks off, sort of all droopy face, thinking, "Oh, oh dear." And then he turns around and says, "Well, if I found him first, that would change the situation." And Bernard Lee just says that beautiful, dramatically, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, he's very good. Though. I love that. I was, I was very struck. It's, it's you know you. It's not a vintage M scene, but mm-hmm. that 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 ending is really good. Uh, but then, weirdly, I think M is rather down on him for the rest of the film. He's sort of he seems to think he's fucked up everywhere he goes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and I, have to, I mean, it's uh, Bernard Lee still had a few in him, did he? But he he's he's quite slurry. Not slurry, yeah. as I because I've had a drink, but um, oh, he's quite slurry and a bit off off his game, I think. He only
1: had two more after this, didn't he? He died just after Moonraker. Very sad. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he goes to Beirut and this is what you were mentioning earlier, how it looks a bit like um, a confessions film. (laughs) If only it was. Well,
0: that's one of its great charms, of course. Yes, um, I like, there's there's some, I love that the early scenes in this are very good. I think the, uh, obviously, uh, I've lost my charm and uh, and the 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 scene with the uh, the gunmaker is terrific, and again, really sweaty and um, sort of realistic, aren't they? they, they, they mm. There's just that little, you know, suggestion. He he works in the back of that. It, it's a proper gunsmith shop. It's just filthy and mucky, and he, he's a specialist. And I love those little cameos. It's like the guy who plays Doctor Klein in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Doctor Klein, brilliant.
1: Little, oh there I can shoot moments. you from stuttgart and it still looks yeah nice fantastic nice. Yeah, i
0: love that i mean it, you know if you a bond cameo that's the that's the sort of thing to do you, you know you get these little memorable little moments like that I was intrigued that why um in Beirut why do the why do the men from the belly dancing club actually attack him What's, there, what's there's, wrong?
1: there's no actual reason maybe because it, he's handsome yeah they're so jealous
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> like they seen him as mean he is too handsome. Kill <laughs> <Give> him.
1: <laughs> but this is the famous bit where, when they're attacking him in the dressing room, you can see the whole crew in the mirror. Oh yes, I, yes. <laughs> Which looks like a. Well, it a looks little... like a bit in uh, American Wealth in London. Yes,
0: yes, indeed. Uh, well, you know, it's a little gift for us to see the crew. <laughs> I
1: like it. There's also a nice little um, crossover with Deathline here because when he uh, you gets you get the golden bullet out uh, of her belly button. He takes it to Colthorpe and Q and Colthorpe's James Cossins, he was the guy at the beginning of Deathline, he gets killed.
0: I shall report this. Oh no, that's that's American Werewolf, isn't that's it? That's American Werewolf. Yes, well James Cossins, of course, is utterly brilliant in everything. He doing is. Towers. Yes. And was um it it's it's a little alarming to see that he doesn't speak in the first MC and you think, how can you have got James Cossins? Oh, then he turns up, of course, to be the to be uh, it's 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 strange though, he sort of has Q's lines, doesn't he? Mm. I mean Q Q could provide all that. I don't know why they needed a He's utterly a on the separate... periphery. Like, I think it's just because he's got mm. those
1: giant off-putting hands.
0: Oh, yeah, well, that's another story, isn't
1: it? It is. It <laughs> is. But, of course, uh, Christopher Lee was amazing in Deathline as well, which is a... Yes, kind of... and it,
0: Deathline is also his... Um, it's it's my favourite Christopher Lee period when he had sort of... Gregory Peck has a very similar look. He has absolutely jet black um, eyebrows and and his, his moustache is... Kind of greying looks mm. great. It does. Um, Christopher Lee is one of the, obviously is I think is this film's secret weapon. Yeah. Uh, Tom Mankovich wanted Jack Palance, yes. who'd also been great, I think. But Christopher Lee is so good in this film. He's, he's massively underrated anyway, but he's wonderful as Karamanga because um, he plays it so light. And mm. if you know, he's I, I, I met him several times and he had a he could be—he he could be very easily very grave as a personality. Hmm. I think if you approached him as a monolith, he was monolithic. If you didn't, he wasn't. He was a funny man, and you know, you know, quite pompous, uh, and knew everybody and knew everything. But he was funny, and um, he—he's so wonderfully against type, Scaramanga. That's what I love about him. Yeah, is the uh, totally. Um, Unexpected and uh, absolutely opposite of what you're just saying about Bond. Um, right. He he's not very bright, um, Scaramanga. He doesn't he doesn't understand the science. It's lovely. It's lovely, yeah. and yeah. it's a really lovely touch. You never see a villain's always know too much. They know everything. He just sort of says, "Science was never my strong point." Yeah. <laughs> he just and he likes blowing. He blows the place. And this is the part I really like because it's this is what he understands, and I think his little scene, that wonderful scene in the boxing match. When he says, um, about killing the elephant mm. trainer, and he says, You see, Mr. Bond, I thought I liked animals, and then I realized that I loved killing people even more. It's terrific, mm. it's never talked about in the same breath as, um, uh, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die or anything, but it's it's marvelous. And he's smiling the whole time. Well, he's got it's, so it's many, a, it's a really, really good performance,
1: yeah, because the dinner table scene in the end as well is just magnificent. Oh. They play off each other so nicely as well,
0: and there's that lovely feeling as well, um, as with Patrick Mcnee mm. in uh, *View to Kill*. That they, Roger and uh, Christopher Lee had known each other since the war, mm. and uh, and they've just got this lovely ease to them, you know. And, and also, there's something rather marvellous about um, the idea. My husband's bringing me some cake. Ooh, lovely. Um, there's something rather marvellous about. Uh, the idea that they were basically chorus boys once at Denham Studios in there, and then cut forward uh, 30 years and they're, they're, they're James Bond and Scaramanga. It's rather lovely.
1: There's also the nice thing that uh, Fleming being related to Christopher Lee somewhat distantly, it's nice that he actually appeared in one.
0: He was my cousin. <laughs> so, of course, I was perhaps best place to play Scaramanga. <laughs> I I just watched the documentary, the old documentary Mm. as well, and uh, it's so funny how often he would say, like, uh, of course, I could speak to him in Swedish (laughs) because I I was driving that car. (laughs) (laughs) I love
1: how beneath the surface he was obviously really like... There's that wonderful uh, quote about um, him doing the stabbing scene in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yes. When he says to Peter Jackson, that's not how you do it. You do it like this. Insinuating that he'd murdered a lot of people.
0: Yes, he said. um, He said. Didn't he say something like, um, "Because that's that's the sound a man makes when he dies"? And he goes, "I know what it sounds like, Peter." (laughs) Because he did. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't he
1: like in the S.A.S. type
0: situation? Well, it's all it's intelligence, isn't it? Which is difficult because you can't really prove anything. (laughs) No. But uh, it's that whole area is um, fascinating in Fleming. I've just done a film of Operation Mincemeat, and uh, Fleming's in that as an intelligence wow. officer. It was his idea, actually, and you know I think what well, he famously said, didn't he? He based Bond on a lot of those kind of commandos that he met during the war, and yeah. those sorts of um, <clears throat> sort of crazy, arrogant officers and commandos who who just lived for the moment. I suppose that's what he romanticised, you know.
1: Yeah, what I love about when he goes to see Lazar, the Lazar, gun, right. gun manufacturer, is yeah. that we're again we're on this we're on this uh, slope here where James Bond is supposed to be a secret agent, and he walks in and the guy's like, oh, you're James Bond. I'd love to make a gun for you." <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Lucky Sonia,
0: <laughs> your reputation precedes you, Mister Bond. Well, I mean it's all right with him because he's in the business. Hmm. But as Roger Moore said, you know when he when when he turns up at every major hotel, they go, oh, it's the bond of the secret service. <laughs> Your usual sweet. He's basically like Judas. There's a Downers. strange. There's a strange. Unless they just think he's from Universal Exports, you know. Mm. There's a strange um, parallel thing about Bond's relationship to all these international hotspots, isn't there? What 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 he what he is known as by the general public, or you know, there's a, there's a is a bit when he when he doesn't die and you live twice. It said, doesn't it say, British intelligence officer killed or something like that. Something it's a strange like that. thing. Yeah. It's not what we'd expect, which is retired naval commander dies.
1: Yeah. It would be all over the papers. And he'd be killed in a, a romp.
0: Yes. Because he was in a well, bed. Probably, yes, probably breaking lockdown. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's quite a harsh punishment to have three men come in and machine gun you in your
0: bed. At least he died on the job. <laughs> the, I think, is it David DeKaiser, I think is dubbing that bit twice as... Yeah. Peter Swanick, who is the bald guy from The Prisoner. Yes. Who did all voiceovers in the 60s that uh, David DeKaiser didn't do. Mm-hmm. I was watching one recently. I think it was probably Goldfinger. And you realise that the same guy is doing all the voiceovers. I think it's Peter Swanick. Literally everything. The the announcements at the racetrack. They just got him in for an afternoon it's in It's crazy Wardle how they used
1: to dub everything. Oh my God. Absolutely everything. Pretty much, you can guarantee pretty much. Nearly every actress in an early Bond film hasn't got her own voice.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's so strange, isn't it, because you get uh, the guy who did Gert Frobe. Yeah, Michael um, Collins. Yes, and, you know, he obviously he did, he did uh, Magnificent Men and the Flying Machines and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That is the voice of Gert Frobe. Of course oh. it is. I was recently watching the terrible 1974 version of And Then The with Gert Frobe, and he's got someone else's voice. Goodness it's like a war crime <laughs> it's just it's uh, you can't I can't, I couldn't bear it. it's like you've got to get Michael Collins that's, that's the point that's yeah. what he sounds like comes shoot face.
1: <laughs> and that's end of part one of this episode of Smirshpod we'll be back later in the week with part two so please stick around but in the meantime why not like subscribe review enjoy share tell everybody you like and you know why not even buy Thunderbook Hey, why not? See you next time. Nothing else to do. Also, there'll be a quiz on the bell. All right, see you soon. Lots of love. Cabin FE That's our Twitter name. GreatBigOwl.com
0: Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable.